Hello there, Obi-Wan Kenobi here, and you're listening to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast. The Force will be with you, always. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, the Galactic Republic, Confederacy of Independent Systems, and various mercenary factions vie for control of the galaxy in a seemingly never-ending conflict known as the Clone Wars. Caught in the middle of this epic struggle, the Jedi Knights strive to maintain order and civility in a deadly game that is being manipulated by the Dark Lords of the Sith. From the war-torn front lines, Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and their dedicated team of analysts emerge as voices of truth and stability in these dark and deceptive times. Welcome back to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast. This is our 131st episode for the episode, The Disappeared Part 2. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and with me, a special guest, uh, straight from the Wampa's Lair, we've got Jason Hunt. Hey, I'm making a lot of appearances on your podcast recently. You are, yeah. Uh, Jason was recently on an episode of the Rebels Podcast. So uh, if you haven't listened to that, head over to rebelspodcast.com. Give that a download and listen to what we had to say about uh, about just rebels in general, sort of uh, what where it's at and what's going on and and what our opinions and feelings are. Uh, and uh, also go to StarWarsReport.com, Yeah. Yep. And yep. Uh, and you can find the Wampus Layer there, along with a whole bunch of other podcasts from people that we like. Uh, oh yeah. And uh, I and, guess I guess we like them. Yeah. yeah I mean they're all right. Uh, and give those a download and and listen to that too. But I, this week we're here to talk about Clone Wars, and uh, you are here specifically to talk Jar Jar. Yes, you, absolutely. You, uh, you, you requested uh, an audience with uh, with Frontlines uh, listeners so that you could talk about how much you love Jar Jar Binks. That and, is correct. Uh, being the biggest Jar Jar fan I know. Uh, maybe aside from my wife, Crystal, uh, <laughs> I, I figured, I figured, ah, why not? You know, and plus Matt was busy, so uh, it all kind of worked out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, but you, you lucked out. You lucked I out because, uh, because you got uh, a, a nice busy day. We woke up to some interesting news this morning. I uh, yeah. two, two bits of interesting news this morning. Uh, go ahead. Which one do you want to talk about first? Um, the quote unquote leaked photos that TMZ put out, there was a 45 picture slideshow mm-hmm. of set pictures from the Abu Dhabi set for Star Wars Episode 7. So, and uh, starring, starring what the fandom has, has dubbed uh, Hog Squaddle, <laughs> <laughs> our first, uh, our first official new character for star wars episode seven uh we don't have an official name for it like it's just this cool like gigantic pig dragon monster thing yeah yeah Uh, it's kind of got like the body of a komodo dragon and then the head of a pig with these with these big teeth and this just 
incredible character to it. Like it right. just it looks so good. And uh, this is along with that that recent uh, video introducing the um, uh, oh what's the what's the the name of their new charity initiative? Oh goodness. Ah man, I don't remember. Yeah, it's totally like, the, the whole Omaze contest. Yeah, um, which I will be entering. Yeah, I they they we got that little glimpse, not that little glimpse. It was quite a long glimpse at mm-hmm. that new uh, alien creature walking around in the uh, in the foreground. In fact, um, yeah. and uh, and we we all kind of our hearts skipped a beat on that one. And uh, going like, oh man, practical effects, it's so exciting. It's going to look like, uh, you know, the old Star Wars movies, but better. And then we we get these leaked photos, and we see this gigantic creature that apparently requires five people inside its stomach to operate. Uh, yeah. And that just throws back to Jabba the Hutt and the Dubaks and all of these great things that, uh, that, that make me very happy and very excited. Uh, along with what is, uh, you know, an amazing looking set, uh, right? That looks very interesting. This junkyard set. Uh, it looks like it's very obviously going to be extended with special effects. Uh, that that, yeah. that what we're seeing there is not the complete environment, but will be the sort of the basis and the practical uh, setting for what's going on for 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 our our exciting new actors to uh to you know i i get lost in and uh, give us some awesome performances because that was the big uh, criticism with with the prequels right is that it was all mm. done on sound stages and blue screen and uh and you can kind of tell because some scenes where maybe there should be more interaction with the environment there's really not it's kind it's a lot of people walking in very large hallways uh yeah. <laughs> in those prequels <laughs> Um, as much as as much as we love the story, I think that there's some aspects of them that are a little bit lacking, and that's one of them. So I'm really excited about it. What about you? How do you feel about it? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean it. It looks great, and as long as they can pull off like a, an animatronic or people inside giant puppet thing, uh, as long as they can pull it off without looking, you know, muppety or yeah. clunky. I'm all for it, you know, but if they can't pull it off without it looking weird, then I'm all for CGIing it, uh, to be perfectly honest. So uh, my, my guess, and I think I said this when we first saw that, that first practical creature, I, uh, is that what we're going to get is a lot of practical stuff on set that will mm-hmm. then be augmented by special effects later by CG. Right. So, right. um, where that, that creature definitely looked like he was a little bit, uh, the first one, he looked a little stiff, and the and the creatures on his back looked a little bit. Um, they weren't really moving all that fluidly. They lo- definitely looked like puppets. Uh, right. I, I think what we'll end up seeing is is extra details. If especially like if they're close up, if we're seeing these things uh, uh, in very close detail, we'll see all these extra things sort of added in there to to uh to give them just that a little bit more because um where the wild things are the the monsters Mm -hmm. in that were all practical suits that were worn by actors but then after the fact their performances were enhanced by by cg sort of to Ah. make give the eyes a little bit more character to give the mouths a little bit more fluid movement 
So my guess is that what you're seeing there is uh, essentially a moving plate, <laughs> right? Like a, for those <laughs> right. who don't know special effects terms, a plate is like your your essentially your shot that you're yeah. gonna then take and and add special effects onto. Um, so they're kind of I I think what they're using it for because they do look a little bit rough, I think. Yeah. But but I think that when you see them on screen in the movie under the proper uh, lighting and color correction and all that stuff that that they do, that they're going to be really impressive. But yeah, I, I think so too. You know, it, like you know, this is still you know first bit of prac you know principal photography. So you know mm-hmm. that we definitely know it's a Star Wars movie. There's going to be a lot of special effects involved. So um, even even with all the practical stuff on set. Um, yeah. But going through all the pictures, it, it seemed to me that this was a studio planned leak that, you know, Lucasfilm, Disney, whoever let TMZ come in and take pictures of certain things because some of these seemed, you know, posed and, you know, sort of uh, uh, almost mm-hmm. promotional. Uh, but they also seem like they're all the extras and none of the principal actors or characters or anything. Um, there was one shot that was like a big wide shot and there was one guy in white running across the desert. And I was like, ah, maybe that's going to be a a more prominent character, but Mm. he's out in the distance and we can't really see who he is. And the only reason I thought that is because he was in the Luke Skywalker white, you know, tunic and, everything so uh and everyone else is in like blacks and browns and things like that so but other than that uh nothing really other than uh, what are we calling the monster again uh hog squaddle hog squaggle yeah Uh, uh, that's what like there's a there's a picture floating around uh kyle newman posted it and uh and i think uh rebel force radio posted it as well of uh like the, uh, one of those pictures that had sort of been photoshopped onto the 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 front of a, an old like 1978 action figure box like a, yes. like an accessory playset box with a it called patrol hog squaddle and uh, so that's where that's where the name's coming from is from that image and uh, and it seems like seems like the fans are kind of running with it so now the question is do they do they already have a name for that creature yeah, or that's, in that's the post production. Right? Are they gonna go back and say, "Well, the fans named this. Why don't we just keep it?" I don't so, think that they have a choice, right? This, like, oh. I, I, I think when you let something out like that, uh, and and somebody comes up with such a great classic Star Wars creature name like that, you're like, "That's that's what it is, right?" Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, if if J.J. Abrams is anything like Dave Filoni. Which which we all hope that he is because Dave's done a great job with the Clone Wars and and with Rebels coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he's anything like Dave, he'll he'll definitely uh, once he gets wind of it, he'll be like, well, if that's what the fans want, that's what the fans get, right? Uh, yeah. So, because I would expect that sort of thing if uh, if if a name like that were to come about from something in the Clone Wars. But the great thing about the Clone Wars is that everything gets a name, and and we 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 hear it uh, and we see it in trailers and all that sort of thing and and on the website and stuff so but uh yeah it's uh the the fandom seems to have really uh adopted this creature 
and uh, and and given it a name and and thrown it on action figure boxes and everybody seems <laughs> to be really excited about it. So he he kind of he kind of stole the show, uh, yep. especially when there was some other huge official news today. Right. Um, and you know what? Like I'm I agree with you. The timing of this is somewhat conspicuous. So I think that absolutely. Lucasfilm knew that this was going to happen and they figured like, yeah, Monday morning, let's give them a little bit more. Um, Mm -hmm. So we got those quote unquote leaked set photos. And then we got the official announcement from Lucasfilm that uh, two more actors are being added to the roster for episode seven. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o from uh, who was in uh, uh, 12 years a slave. She just won uh, an Academy award for uh, best supporting actress, so mm-hmm. that's that's a lot of credibility, uh, and uh, and she's a she's a rising star for sure. So that's a that's a really big deal. But for us in the geek community, I think the bigger get is Gwendolyn Christie, who you can currently see on Game of Thrones as Brienne of Tarth, or as people are now referring to her, Brienne of Darth. Uh, that's uh that's going around Uh, the first i'll give credit the first person that i saw post anything about that or like with that hashtag was uh was uh uh parker parker publicity uh james arnold taylor's publicist and uh uh, friend of of frontlines she's been on the show before uh i on her retweet of it she had added in the hashtag brand of darth and uh uh, I thought that was pretty clever. So, um, and I, yes. apparently she's going to be in the in the second part of of the upcoming Hunger Games, so uh, the uh, Mockingjay part two. So, that's uh, it's 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 super exciting news. And uh, as I posted on my Facebook this morning, the uh, the social justice banners were a little bit premature. Uh, for all those, uh, all the fanboys and fangirls crying foul when they saw that initial cast announcement, which was primarily male, now um, with only Carrie Fisher returning and and one other female, uh, being Daisy Ridley. So, uh, this, I think, will quiet some of those fears that that it's going to be a, a very one sided cast. It's definitely, I mean, there's definitely still more guys than there are ladies but at the same time i don't know if you ask me the ladies are much more impressive right now than the uh than than the guys are Mm. so i I think when you add these two and i think there's a reason why they kept them i think there's a i think there was probably some negotiation stuff going on as well right um, and maybe some some uh some timing stuff that they had to work out so they didn't want to come right out and announce oh we've got these other two actors but uh, I I also think that they've been waiting a little while so that they could sort of like give us this huge punch and say we've got these two awesome uh, lady actors that uh, that are going to be jumping in and uh, representing for the female side of the Star Wars universe. Uh, definitely giving the girls some more characters to 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 dress up as. Uh, uh, hopefully. Um, but I don't know what what do you think about this casting? Um, I honestly have no frame of reference for either of them. Okay. Uh, I haven't seen Twelve Years a Slave, but I know I know Lupita is definitely up and coming, and a lot of people have been very eager to see her and more stuff. So yeah. the fact that she's 
in episode seven is a huge grab for Lucasfilm. Um, and obviously with Gwendolyn, that's, that's huge in the geek cred. And I know how big Game of Thrones is. I just haven't had a chance to go watch it. And at this point, I'd, I would want to start back at the beginning. Um, so, but I have way too many other things that I'm trying to get through first. Mm. So, um, but, you know, and of course she's now Game of Thrones and Hunger Games apparently. So she seems to be making the the rounds in the, the geek-centric movies so and and series so that uh that's probably a pretty good deal for us I mean, both of them look like you know like they're going to be a great fit um but I, I don't have a lot of frame of reference for either of them sure um but it's it's just good there was you know after the big announcement with the rest of the cast being announced there was the rumor that there was going to be another female role cast and guess what we get two so yeah. um yeah. You know, that was uh, a nice little surprise that it wasn't just one. We got two of them instead. So uh, I, I think this will probably be you know, one of the more obviously more balanced of the Star Wars casts. Um, but, I mean, obviously we haven't seen really any of the those awesome secondary characters that are only going to show up for like three or four scenes yeah. and all that fun stuff, you know, and who they're going to get to come in for cameos and whatever. So honestly, I'm almost more excited to find out, you know, what those awesome side characters are going to be than, you know, worry about who these, these big actors that the, in the big positions are playing. So, yeah. 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 It's I I don't know. I I think we we're adding two more powerhouses to the cast. uh, That'll really, lend some more credibility. I, I think one of the biggest things that that they've done so far for episode seven, because as hardcore fans, as the, the type that go to things like star Wars celebration and, uh, and, you know, marathon the clone wars in one day, uh, as those types of fans, we're going to be there on day one, regardless, right? They, they don't have to right. worry about us, no. but if you can remove yourself from that for a second, and understand, like, relate to all of your friends who say obnoxious things about the prequels. Uh, th- those people need some convincing to show up at the theater on, right. on December, what is it, December 15th? 18th, or 18th, sorry, December 18th. It's right in front of me, and I and I said the wrong thing. Uh, December 18th, 2015. That's where um, you got the 15. <laughs> yeah, I... I, those people need some some convincing. Those people need names. They need uh, they need assurances that they're not in for another episode one, two, and three. Which, uh, as I've said a million times, you know, I think that they're great films. But I think that a lot of people wanted more of the original trilogy, and when they didn't get it, they were very upset. Um, and 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 you know, it it really doesn't matter because I mean, these are going to be the seven, eight, nine along with the the the, uh, the standalone films, I'm sure are all going to be excellent. I'm sure they're mm-hmm. all going to be great movies, just like everything that Marvel has produced has been great. Uh, you know, Some people might debate me on that, but I think that they've all been pretty good movies. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, you know, most of the movies that I think we go and see on a regular basis are actually pretty, pretty darn good. But for some reason... For some reason, the, it's really cool to uh, just sort of complain about everything and say, 
you know, that this movie is terrible and, oh, it doesn't live up to this. And, you know, it's the whole hipster right. thing of, of uh, uh, you know, it was cooler the first time around sort of thing. So, I don't know. I think uh, I, I think no matter what they do, they've got a, a, a pretty pretty big job in front of them to mm-hmm. uh, to to convince people that, that this new Star Wars is going to be a good thing. But so far, so good. I don't yeah. know, like these these practical creatures and this amazing cast. It's looking pretty good to me. So uh, hopefully, I, I'm really hoping that we start seeing official uh, stuff start to roll out in the next couple months. Um, if you sort of place it <clears throat> where we were with Episode One, right around now is when that first Star Wars Insider came out that that had a whole bunch of pictures and, and exciting things for us to, uh, to to sort of whet our appetite until more information. And then when you get to something like episode three, I mean, hyperspace gave us ridiculous access to behind the scenes. And, and right. we'd, we'd seen concept art by now. We'd seen all sorts of things by now. We've really seen nothing for episode seven. And we are, uh, about a year and a half away, right? We're actually, uh, as of the 18th of this month, I think we'll be exactly a year and a half away. So, yep. you know, I, it's, it's, it's getting down to the wire, but JJ is a pretty secretive guy. So, right. We'll, we'll have and, to wait and, and see. I, and I was talking with my family, uh, the other day, you know, it, it's, it's funny because, you know, obviously JJ is so secretive, but Lucasfilm, even mm-hmm. with, you know, all the, the, Access that they gave us with the behind the scenes stuff and all these things, they didn't really say a lot. Yeah, you know, it was a whole bunch of stuff that was out there, but it didn't really say much. So um, I think they're going to try and find a balance between JJ's super hyper secretiveness and what they were doing with Episode Three. So um, I would just you know probably wait a couple more months before really looking for some you know behind sure. the scenes yeah. things to start hitting the web and uh, videos from JJ from the set. So, uh, and of course Mark Hamill's going to be at Disney star Wars weekends this weekend. So, you know, maybe, maybe there'll be something there. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it would be nice to get, you know, our first picture of him in his new costume. See what, <laughs> see what Luke's going to look like. I mean, when we see him, because uh, no doubt there will be pictures all over the internet all weekend, uh, like there have been for the last two weekends. Um, I, I'm sure that that how he looks this weekend will be indicative of how he's going to look uh, on set. So, yeah. So uh, I don't know. It's it. There, there's a lot of really cool stuff coming up. It's very exciting. It's all this episode seven news, uh, and then you know we've we've still got the premiere of Rebels. Uh, later, later, hopefully this summer, uh, right? And uh, and it's looking like uh, an October uh, start for the actual series. Hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully it's sooner than that. But we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but yeah, there's there's tons and tons and tons to look forward to. But right now we have uh, we've got some Clone Wars to talk and uh, and uh, some Jar Jar to discuss. Yes. So uh, why don't we jump right into the recap? Yoda, my old friend, it is I, Qui-Gon The voice I hear does not come from within, but speaks from beyond. You must complete 
what I could not. Come to Dagobah. The answers you seek are here. The creation of the clone army, kept secret from us, Cypher DST. Protocol 66 must not be discovered by the Jedi. Yes, Lord Tyrannus. I'm afraid I'm trapped. You must face the gravest of journeys to Morgon. Down! Thanks. It wasn't you I wanted to save. This is stretching it even for you, sir. Rax, you're beginning to sound like Obi-Wan. Hello, CT5555. No clone uses that number. I am Fives. Call me Fives. The difference is minimal. Not to me. And not to any clone. Okay, so here we are for the the uh, episode The Disappeared Part 2, following up from last week's Jar Jar uh, filled escapade, uh, along with Mace Windu, <laughs> the very Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom inspired. As, uh, as, as I like to call it, Indiana Jar Jar and the Temple of Bardota. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, following up, we've got The Disappeared Part 2, which is again very Indiana Jones inspired, but maybe a little bit more, uh, a little bit more of the, uh, the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark last crusade variety. They kind of, they kind of split it in two so that you got that, that very temple of doom. I mean, part one is, is so similar to temple of doom by the time that they get to Bardotta, it really is like, Mm -hmm. it, it is the temple of doom. Right. So, right. Um, coming away from that we then i get this one which is a little bit more of the the classic i mean i guess it's all classic indie but that uh the raiders of the lost ark sort of indiana jones that most people are uh fans of right some people i I don't understand the people who aren't fans of temple of doom but they're out there yeah it's funny you know we have the the sort of feel and adventures that we get from the the other indie films but it's all still set like it's in the Temple of Doom. Yeah, uh, yeah. This one. Anyways, let's, yeah, let, let sure. me get started. Cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, so, uh, Queen Julia of the planet Bardotta has been abducted. If Jar Jar Binks and Mace Windu cannot find the missing queen in three rotations, a sinister prophecy will be fulfilled. The bloodthirsty Frangal cult will take over the Bardotan government and its planetary system will be overwhelmed by chaos, death, and destruction. Mace Windu and Jar Jar Binks depart Bardota in a Jedi shuttle. Jar Jar describes to Mace the Frangal sacrificial ceremony that tore the living force out of an ill-fated Degoyan master. Mace wonders what the cultists plan to do with the force energy trapped within their containment sphere, as they are not force users like the Jedi or Sith. He senses a dark presence at work, but he also senses the trail of the containment sphere. If he can find it through the force, they will be able to find the queen and the cultists. Uh, so he's he's pretty much going to track this thing across the galaxy using <laughs> the Force, which I thought, like, Jar Jar kind of calls it out and goes like, you, you, you're you you're a big-time Jedi with the Force and everything, but even you aren't going to be able to do this. And he's like, just be quiet and let me do it. Uh, which <laughs> right. I, I, I liked it. It was, uh, I, I like the odd couple uh, sort of thing that they've got going on with Mace and Jar Jar. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a very unlikely duo, but I think by the end of it, they uh, they they kind of come together and and learn to work as a team. A very odd uh, 
ill-fitting team, but uh, but but a fun one to watch. So, and it works somehow. It shouldn't work, but it yeah. does. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, cool. I'll continue. Uh, meanwhile, the Frangal Frangal ship approaches a city on the desert moon of Zardasa Styx. The cult leader emerges carrying a barely conscious Queen Julia and is greeted by other cultists of various species. Julia struggles and cries out for help, but the Frangal cult, cult leader dusts her with sleeping powder. An aide informs the cult leader that he had another vision. The Great Mother has warned that the Jedi knows of the sphere and is in pursuit. The cult leader frets that their plan has been discovered. They must make haste. Sorry, excuse me. They must make haste to transfer the living force from Julia to the Great Mother. So this is all sort of pointing at at a a surprise character involved in all this. Yes. So I I don't know when 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 this all started. Did you know that this was gonna gonna lead to uh, to Mother Talzin? Uh, I suspected because of the trailer. But yeah. if I had not seen the trailer, <laughs> I would have had no idea. Yeah. So. Yeah, Matt. Matt doesn't really know where it's going, so uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting. Next next episode, I'll touch it, touch base with him, and see what he thought about uh, about uh, Towson showing up. But uh, <clears throat> this is interesting because I think previous to this episode, we thought that that Towson was really just uh, sort of relegated to to uh to Dathomir and to the Night Sisters. Right. And that her power of their sphere of influence was was there and that was it, you know, and, and uh and her actions with with Darth Maul and, and uh and Savage were a little bit um extreme for her because cause she's kind of reaching a little bit farther than, than she normally would. But here we're discovering that in fact she's got it it seems like she has cults all over the place, uh, or she's or she's just taking advantage of already existing cults. True, true, yeah, but but okay. she's at least uh, extending her power out beyond uh, beyond Dathomir to to mm-hmm. these other uh, uh, societies that she can influence. So uh, I, th- right. I thought that was a really cool aspect of it because what we're looking at is is uh, another aspect of the Star Wars universe, which is one of my favorite things about the Clone Wars is, is, you know, this and, uh, the, uh, the, the, all, all the stuff with, um, with, uh, the Mortis trilogy and, and even coming up later this season with, uh, with Yoda's adventure. Um, yeah. it's kind of exploring the other parts of the galaxy that, that maybe aren't focused on in the movies because the movies are so focused on, on that actual, either on the Skywalker saga or the actual war itself, whether it's the 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 Republic against the Separatists or the Rebels against the Empire, right? It's always right. so sort of like laser focused on those things that we don't get to explore the galaxy as much as we do in the Clone Wars, which is which is nice. Yeah. No, uh, you can go ahead. Continue. Okay. Uh, the Jedi shuttle lands near the outskirts of the desert city. Jar Jar is eager to get going and find the cultists, but Mace tells him to wait while the meditate while he meditates in the Force. Mace sees visions of people, a market, a square, and then the image of the sphere and the location of the queen. He springs from his seat and runs into action with Jar Jar tagging along. And I just have to say um, that this scene right here 
is probably one of my favorite scenes because of how funny it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Jar Jar has possibly the best comedic line in the history of the Clone Wars in this scene um, with, you know, Mace Windu going into his force meditation and he's starting out really broad and vague and he says, I see people, markets, streets, and Jar Jar's looking out the window saying, yep, Misa can see that too. And I don't know, but the way that he said it and the timing that he, that they got with it, yeah, just cracked me up every single time. So oh, yeah, for sure, yeah, no, it's a it's a great moment because it's kind of um, Jar Jar is usually played up as the fool, right? But uh-huh. in this instance, he's kind of like I even I can see that right now because I'm just looking out the window, right? Like it's <laughs> exactly. all kind of the the tone and everything is all there. It's a really great performance by Ahmed Best. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, Mace and Jar Jar proceed on foot into the thickening crowds at the center of the city. Mace recognizes the marketplace from his vision. He force leaps to the top of a tall building in the square, while Jar Jar looks about at street level. Looking past a group of local merchants, Jar Jar spots the cultist carrying Julia through an archway. Julia calls for Jar Jar, and Jar Jar calls out for Mace. So this is... This is very much hearkening back to uh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and the the marketplace chase, mm-hmm. yes. which is, is like it's 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 exactly this, right? It's uh, uh, Marion gets separated from Indy and the Nazis get her, and then he's chasing after them to to try and get her back, right? Exactly. Um, it's uh, only this time it's Jar Jar, and uh, and he's got a Jedi with him, so. Um, there's even, uh, in, in a moment, there's a, there's another homage to it. So yes. you, you can go ahead. All right. Uh, Mace chases after the queen, but one of the cultist allies is a Girian woman carrying a tuka causes a herd of Eopi to scatter through the streets, s- slowing the Jedi down. Jar Jar runs into an alleyway where several cultists emerge from the shadows and surround him. Mace runs atop the backs of the, Eop- of the Eopis to arrive in the alleyway where he begins brawling with the cultist thugs. Uh, so I, I don't know if it's going to... Uh, yeah, so he, there's the one that's got like a, like a whip, right? Uh, one of the guys that he fights. I don't know if it's in this part or if it's a little no, bit later on. It's a little bit later. Oh, is that a little bit later? Okay. It's, a, it's a little bit later when, when okay. we get to the Gundarks. So. Uh, Jar Jar escapes to follow the leader, the cult leader and the captive queen while Mace fights off the belligerent cultists. The leader and the queen climb a set of stairs up the hillside, protected by covering fire from a diminutive cultist behind a heavy repeating blaster turret. Mace takes out the gunner and then continues the chase with Jar Jar. Uh, To cover the escape of the cult leaders and their prisoner via rail speeders, one cultist, a Ming Po animal trainer, hangs back and releases a pair of savage gundarks. Mace comes to a sudden stop upon seeing the beasts but Jar Jar keeps running and bumps into him, causing Windu to drop his lightsaber. The trainer snatches the weapon with his whip, leaving Mace to fight the Gundarks unarmed. Uh, yeah, so that's the that's that moment where uh, it's very it's sort of um, the opposite of Indiana Jones because normally Indy is the one with the whip and he's doing the 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 disarming, but uh, instead this, <laughs> this bad guy's got it. Um, I just thought that was really cool. It was cool to work that in there. It was cool to see a couple of Gundarks. Um, and uh, one of them looked very similar, I think, to to what they lo- what it looked like in, uh, well, I think it's way back in, like, season one. 
season two with uh, R two come home. Oh, what? No, they, no, they there, also there's were a in, Gundark. Um, um, in uh, oh, in the one with Dooku, Dooku captured. Yeah, I think. yeah, that's uh, right. The, the episode starts with it. Um, yeah, with them. Yeah, uh, yeah, on whatever planet that is. I, but yeah, I. It was it was cool to see some Gundarks again. It's always cool to see Gundarks. Uh, I really like the design that they've got for the Clone Wars. They, that's a creature, obviously, because of uh, the reference in Empire Strikes Back that's been around the expanded universe for a long time. Right. And uh, has always kind of like had one look and then another look and, and uh, then kind of this definitive, in fact, uh, canonized look in the Clone Wars. So that's what mm-hmm. a Gundark looks like because it's in the Clone Wars, which is all canon. So, um, right. Anyways, I... Uh, ch- uh, Jar Jar, Jar ta- yeah, Jar Jar tackles the unsuspecting trainer who is preoccupied watching his beasts in combat, causing him to drop the lightsaber. Jar Jar retrieves the weapon with his long tongue, <laughs> then spits it into the air. Mace catches his saber, ignites it, and cuts down one of the Gundarks. The second beast runs away in fear. Uh, so that's a a, a a uniquely Jar Jar moment of yes. snatching the lightsaber with his tongue and then spitting it to Mace. To toss uh, it to him. I almost expected when that happened. I almost expected to have a quick shot of Mace just, you know, catching the lightsaber and then grimacing at the the, the slobber on the saber. Um, but we didn't get that, and I was slightly disappointed. But that's it was, funny because I I expected it as well, but was thankful that we didn't get it because that might have been just like a, that little bit too much. So it's. This is uh, this is really what defines a Jar Jar fan, I think. A, a Jar Jar fan really <laughs> enjoys that stuff, right? Yes. Whereas, yes. Whereas the regular individual is kind of like, you know, I could take it or leave it. But but a Jar Jar fan is like, oh man, no slobber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it it is something that only Jar Jar could pull off. So. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Uh, Jar Jar clotheslines the fleeing trainer, leaving Mace to question the dazed enemy. The defiant cultist offers no answers other than a cryptic warning that the shadow is coming and the great mother will deal with the Jedi. Mace knocks the trainer unconscious and catches up with Jar Jar, who sees that the cultists have escaped via rail. Mace and Jar Jar head out to the desert on the backs of a Dalgo and an Eope, following the speeder rail. Uh, the the cultists arrive at a stone temple in the desert. They haul Julia to the top of the structure and shackle her to a large metal ring facing a contraption made up of several lenses. As the moons and stars surrounding Zardosa sticks align, the lenses shift into place, harnessing the light. Soon the Great Mother will draw the essence of the Queen and combine her powers with the living force to be unstoppable. Meanwhile, Mace and Jar Jar race across the desert. A mysterious starship lands at the temple. The Frangal cultists arrange themselves in a formation to honor the new arrival. Stepping from the starship shrouded by green mist is Mother Talzin. The Frangal cult leader has been dri- uh, driven by images of the Dathomir witch, and he presents her with a sphere. Talzin can sense the great power within, but can also sense the approaching Jedi. The ritual must begin at once. So there we get the the reveal of Mother Talzin. She's the one behind all of this. And uh, we should have known from all of the the smoky green uh, force mist 
because uh, yes. that tends to where that where we see that uh, you know her her sneaky spindly hands can't be far behind. So uh, she's always implicated in this stuff. Uh, oh yes. Talzin intends to use the lens contraption to harness the power of the eclipsing sun. The energy will rip the spirit from Queen Julia's body and focus it into the containment sphere. Mother Talzin believes that combining the living force energy with her dark magic will make her the most powerful being in the galaxy. So one interesting thing about this is uh, is sort of the... I don't know if we see it yet or if we see it a little bit later, but there's a little bit of an intangible quality to Mother Talzin mm-hmm. that I that I don't remember. Did we see that in uh, in the one the what's the episode where where General Grievous attacks the the oh uh, massacre? Yeah, in massacre. I I don't remember I, if we saw that aspect I of her. Don't think so. I think this is new. Be- yeah, probably because she's so far from Dathomir, and so she needs this this extra force to remain powerful and, and remain completely tangible yeah. is that's my surmising at least. So, yeah, but yeah, it was, it was definitely a unique effect. And sometimes you'd be looking at this, you know, giant sharp, you know, pauldron coming off of her shoulder. And then all of a sudden it would like fade into translucence and, yeah. you know, it was really kind of cool and unique. So yeah, it's, it's a very, very cool uh, special effect that they added in there. That's a, it must have been a tricky thing for them to figure out, but but it ends up, it's it 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 looks perfect. Like you get it, it it, it translates to screen and mm-hmm. tells you exactly what you need to know. Um, but but sort of what that means for the character is the more interesting question that you're left with. Like, uh, has she always been this way? Is this since massacre? Is this? It, or is this just part of the nature of, of Mother Talzin? And and this is when when you bring in the other cultist leaders here, it leads me to uh to to the question <clears throat> is Mother Talzin even a night sister? Is she is she from Dathomir or is she from somewhere else? Is that form even her true form, right? Like that's mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's where we're kinda this opens up a lot of questions and we can say, you know, she seems to be connected in, in all of these other dark magic, dark force related, uh, uh, goings on. How, how old is she? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how long has she been doing this sort of thing? Um, and, uh, and exactly like, where does her power come from? Right. Because if it doesn't come directly from the force, then, then what is it? You know? So it's, right. it's, very very interesting because i think that we all sort of assumed oh well you know she's tapping into the force it's just a different aspect of the force it's a different part of the force from the light side or the dark side but a bit of the conversation in in between uh uh, talzin and julia and then talzin and and mace windu it leads me to believe that her power comes from maybe a slightly different source Mm -hmm. um because she wants that that force energy so that she can combine with the living force and then be able to, to control more things. So it's, uh, it's, it's, right. very, it's really interesting. What, what's really interesting about her though, is that we, we get to see her doing something that doesn't involve Darth Maul and Savage Press. Oh yeah. And it yeah, makes sure. me wonder, you know, if, if the clone wars had left Dathomir alone, yeah. 
Mother Talzin probably would have been just content to stay on Dathomir and not bother the galaxy. But war came to Dathomir through Asajj and Dooku and then Savage and Maul and everything. And now Mother Talzin has got her taste of power and she wants to expand. Mm-hmm. And she wants to become a, a rival to the Jedi and the Sith and to be more powerful than them. So that's this is a really interesting, uh, you know, tentative step out of her comfort zone uh, yeah. for Mother Talzin to, to see what she can really accomplish. Well, it, it really makes me wonder with them setting this up uh, and, uh, and, and sort of the, the way that this goes – could could Mother Talzin and this uh, the you know Dathomir and and the Night Sisters and that sort of thing could it end up tying in somehow to Episode Seven right like could Ooh. this could this be because because we've all said it as fans we don't want the Sith to return right if the Sith return it kind of uh, it kind of cheapens everything that that Anakin goes through and and it 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 kind of cheapens the prophecy right of of anakin restoring balance to the force by wiping out the sith um and and restoring the jedi right through luke so could could this third faction uh be the other threat you know the the one that's coming Mm -hmm. so um that would be yeah. That would be really cool to see if if maybe Mother Talzin survives yeah. Episode Seven and yeah. and shows up in Episode Seven. That would be cool. Well, there was a there was a leaked photo that is uh, it's unconfirmed. It's not like those those set photos that we were talking about earlier, it, which I, why I didn't really bring it up because this is kind of more rumor and 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 uh, uh, sort of in the gossip area than anything else. Um, cause it's really unclear what's going on in the photo, but this, it's apparently a leaked episode seven photo of a character in costume and it looks very night sister esque. Uh, it looks very like, I don't know, kind of like those Sith witch concepts that we had seen, uh, for, for episode one and episode two that, that never came to fruition until, uh, it got used for, for mother Talzin's design. So, um, I don't know. It's kind of got me thinking. Like, could this be, could this be the other threat? You know, like, could this be a, a place for them to pull from? Because uh, it's kind of the dark side, but it's not, and it's kind of its own thing. And and it, it mm-hmm. could present some really interesting storytelling opportunities for for episode seven. So, um, anyways, let's let's continue with this. Uh, yes. where, where are we at right now? Um, it's my turn. Uh, Mace and Jar Jar arrive at the ancient site and walk between rows of large stone columns. Detecting intruders, the columns light up and shapeshift into huge semi-humanoid guardians animated by unknown powers. The guardians move in to crush the interlopers, and Mace fights them off with his lightsaber. Jar Jar leaps atop the guardians' shoulders, causing them to crash into each other in their attempts to squash the Gungan. Jar Jar even manages to capture a heavy energy projector from a stone guardian's arm. Uh, Jar Jar and Mace arrive at the top uh, at the top of the temple as the lenses align. Mace comes face to face with Mother Talzin, who unleashes a torrent of deadly green energy from her fingertips. Mace and Jar Jar dive for cover, and Mace orders Jar Jar to rescue the queen while he confronts Talzin. 
With her magic, Towson summons a flaming green sword from thin air and crosses blades with Windu. So this was the other thing that got me thinking about it is that, you know, we see this with Mother Towson, this Mm -hmm. uh, really cool uh, green flaming sword. Uh, that they they you know they do battle with uh, it's it's yet another alternative to a lightsaber that can go toe to toe with a lightsaber mm-hmm. and uh, you know seeing that in episode seven eight and nine I don't know it could be pretty cool yeah be pretty yeah cool. I, I have to say it was pretty cool here to just watch her you know wave her fingers and all of a sudden the sword materializes in yeah. thin air right in front of her and I was you know <laughs> wondering is she just going to keep shooting at Mace because that's you know. We've seen that done before, but nope, she she pulls a sword and goes, you know, blade to blade against Mace and yeah. seems to hold her own. So, yeah, um, uh, with the bang boom gun he retrieved from a guardian, Jar Jar zaps the cultists and sends them scattering. He then frees Julia from her shackles before the lens device can steal her energy. Julia pushes the cult leader into the light instead, and his living force is drawn out of his body and into the containment sphere. The sphere wobbles on its stand, drops to the ground, and shatters, creating an explosion that bays the top of the shrine in bright green light. Uh, the smoke clears. Mace stands with his lightsaber, ready to continue his battle with the Night Sister. But Talzin looks distraught as she stands before the shattered remains of the sphere. She shrieks and fades away into a cloud of green mist. Uh, I just have to say, um, one of the things I, I rewatched this today mm-hmm. to refresh my, my mind on everything, um, but one of the things I noticed on this viewing that I didn't notice before um, was initially when Mother Talzin shows up and they're talking about the, the lens device and they're saying harnessing the power of the sun. And I was like, wow, it's really dark for them to be harnessing the power of the sun. That's interesting. Um, you know, I was just, and I was guessing, well, maybe it's just the alignment of the planets making it dark, whatever. But, um, but then after the big explosion here, it instantly went from being dark and, you know, mm-hmm. dusky to like light and midday. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So that was something that I hadn't caught before. So just a little, uh, one of those, you know, t- nice touches that the Clone Wars team is, has put in there to add another layer to this, which was was pretty cool. So yeah, it was it was really cool how day kind of just broke right at that instant, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what they were waiting for, and uh, and I don't know, I it, it, I've never I've never been to the desert, I've never been to a place that flat, um, so I don't know. It's where I'm from in Vancouver. Uh, in British Columbia, we have a lot of mountains. So the 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 sun kind of rises over time. It doesn't kind of rise all at once. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know what's what's it like. Uh, what's it like there? Is it is it more? Uh, well, uh, Tucson has actually a lot of, of mountains around it too. So we sort of get the okay. the, the the gradual rising as well. Um, but but this was interesting because there was you know a lot of like cloud cover and yeah. everything and I didn't know if that was because of Mother Towson's magic and the the evil that the sphere was containing and all that stuff and then as soon as it was destroyed and her you know what was tethering her to this planet was gone you know maybe her 
control on the elements was gone too and they, I know, it was just another interesting thing to start thinking about mm. so you know yeah for sure and that you know since she didn't have control anymore the actual day was able to come through um yeah so yeah yeah cool uh yeah it was a, it was a really cool moment and it looked really good and then it gives us the the great moment here at the end uh, yes uh, queen julia is reunited with jar jar she is grateful for the help of mace windu and hopes this can be the beginning of a new relationship between the Bardottans and the Jedi. Jar Jar imitates an animal call, drawing, drawing their beasts back to them, and the three heroes ride off into the desert. Which uh, it's in the in the trivia uh, section on on the StarWars.com website. It it notes that this is literally meant to be the uh, uh, a tribute to the end of of. Uh, uh, the Last Crusade, like it's in the script, it literally says, and then they write off like the end of the Last Crusade. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, it, it, and it totally is right. Like it, it's very similar. Um, right down to the beat of Mace, uh, sort of spurring his his uh, his horse and and riding off, and then then uh, Julia and Jar Jar following right after. That's mm-hmm. very much. Like exactly what happens at the end of, of, uh, the Last Crusade. So, uh, a very cool Indiana Jones ending to a very cool Indiana Jones, uh, uh, themed, uh, two part episode here, and uh, I, I enjoyed it quite a lot. I I like Jar Jar. I do enjoy him when he's on the show from time to time. Um, I, I definitely like him in small doses, but <laughs> uh, so two episodes is great. But uh, yeah, it it was nice. That he got another kick at the can before the Clone Wars was out. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And uh, this is possibly the best use of the character of Jar Jar mm-hmm. uh, that has ever been done. Uh, the, the Clone Wars team, particularly in the later seasons, really figured out how to use Jar Jar. Um, and I think they did it rather well from probably uh, supply lines on. So... Um, as far as you know, the, the use of Jar Jar, and yeah. this was just that that crown, the, the cherry on top, the the crowning moment for Jar Jar in the series. So I was glad to see it. I was glad to see that even you know with all the big you know storylines with Order sixty six and the upcoming Yoda arc, no spoilers for Matt, mm-hmm. um, that we still got one last little bit of Jar Jar. Um, you know, not that I was looking for it or expecting it, but it was nice that we got that little bit in there and it, it fit rather well in the flow of the season that we've got so far because, you know, it's been dark and cerebral and we needed a little bit of humor just to lighten things up before we get into this next arc. Um, so that, that'll close things out. But um, yeah. I, I, I was I was really happy that that this is how they went with with the humor for this season. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a good two parter. I uh, had some really cool moments and, uh, and maybe is pointing at some stuff in the future. I don't know. We'll have to see, uh, how that plays out. Uh, only time will tell on that one, mm-hmm. but, uh, that's it. That's it for, for the disappeared part two. Uh, but next week we'll be talking about, or in, in two weeks, actually, we'll be talking about the lost one, which is, uh, you know, it, it starts 
the the journey that that Yoda goes on, but I don't know. I almost felt like this was a one off episode by itself, mm-hmm. and then it was a three part episode with Yoda. Um, but it is it is somewhat related, and it kind of spurs the whole story for for Yoda. But here, I'll read the uh, the the little preview here. Uh, a Jedi mission finds a lightsaber belonging to the long dead master Sifo-Dyas prompting Yoda, Obi-Wan, and Anakin Skywalker to begin an investigation into his decade-old disappearance. This sparks Darth Sidious to order Darth Tyrannus to clean up any loose ends that may lead the Jedi to discover the truth of the Sith conspiracy. So, we started the season with Order 66 and and the Jedi almost uncovering uh, uh, the the plot to... Uh, to, to defeat them for the Sith to, to take over the galaxy. Um, and, uh, and now we're gonna, we're gonna end on, on a similar conspiracy. Uh, so I, it's, uh, all tied together. And, uh, for me going into this, uh, having this be a part of, of the, the finale to the Clone Wars, this leads perfectly right into episode three so uh, i'm really excited to to talk about this this arc um as as well as a lot of uh questions answered um really interesting stuff that that we get to to discover about both the force and the nature of the force and uh and just how it is that that uh certain jedi are able to still exist and maybe some some answers from uh, from the episode at the end of episode three. So uh, that that does it for us this week, though. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you very much, Jason, for for filling in for Matt this week. Uh, yeah, let, no problem. Uh, let all the listeners know where they can where they can find uh, you guys and all the all the different stuff that you do. All right. Uh, of course, I co-host uh the wampas lair podcast with my good buddy carl uh and our main base of operations for that is uh www.facebook.com slash wampas lair podcast you can also follow us on twitter at at wampas lair or email us at wampas lair podcast.com obviously you can find all of our backlog of episodes as well as a whole bunch of other awesome podcasts at StarWarsReport.com. Just look under the second Airborne Division tab. That's where all the podcasts are. So, uh, yeah. I think that's about it. Oh, also uh, a little bit of uh, family news, so to speak, uh, regarding Kyle um, and myself. Uh, This weekend... Uh, as of this recording mm-hmm. is Phoenix Comic Con and Kyle's Star Wars fan film will be premiering at Phoenix Comic Con for their uh, film festival and uh, he spent a lot of work on that and I play a small role in his Star Wars fan film so that's a lot of fun and rather exciting so cool well so if any of our listeners are going to be out there at the uh, Phoenix Comic Con they should definitely make an effort to check that out. Yes, uh, and I believe his um, his fan film is going to be played uh, Saturday night. I, I believe it's in the five thirty to six thirty time slot for the cool. uh, fan films. So cool. Uh, well, I wish I could be there for that. That that sounds like it'll be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. 
and uh, I know he's been working on that for a long time. Seems like yes. he's, he was working on that back at, at Star, the last Star Wars celebration, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah. He's he just kind of like starting on it. He got uh, yeah. He ended up with a uh, sort of a part one uh, that he submitted as his graduating project for uh, his uh, film degree that he got. Uh, but then he's fleshed it out and extended it and been working, you know, on and off, uh, you know, by himself to finish editing and adding in all the lightsaber effects and everything. So, yeah. uh, but it's, it's finally all come together and he's going to probably be tweaking it up until he has to show it, um, you know, not like George Lucas at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes, but that's going to be very exciting. And once it premieres, uh, it will be put up on YouTube and Facebook uh, probably about a week from now. So, Awesome. Cool. Well, that that's exciting. And uh, when that is out on the Internet for everybody to check out, we will definitely be sure to share it with with uh, everybody uh, who listens to Frontlines and all the other podcasts and stuff, because that's uh, it's always exciting when when one of our uh, one of our own uh, gets involved in something like that. So uh, with the both of you in there, it's uh, yes. it's even more exciting. So cool. Um, well, that does it. So don't forget to check us out online at www.clonewarspodcast.com. That is our home on the internet, and uh, you can follow us. On Twitter, username is at Clone Wars, and head over to Facebook and uh, and like the page, facebook.com slash Clone Wars Podcast, and you can find links to the group and everything from there. Um, and uh, and don't forget to send in your emails to mail at clonewarspodcast.com. I know you guys got to have something to say about this last arc. Um, there's a lot of really cool stuff in there, so hopefully you guys can send in your emails and, uh, and we can read them on the show. But uh, until uh, next time, uh, thank you guys for listening. We will catch you in a couple of weeks. Well, another close to another wonderful show. Obi-Wan Kenobi here saying thank you for listening to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast. The force is strong with you all, and it will be with you always. Always.